Welcome into Hardcore Penn State football. Blue and white weekend is gone, past, done. We'll be talking a lot about the game, what we learned. In my opinion, a lot of questions were answered, so Sean and I will be discussing blue and white in length. Penn State also got a commit since the last time we spoke, so we'll uh, talk about that as well. Um, we'll get right into it. First trivia question. Who scored the first touchdown in the blue and white game this past weekend? And what state is he from? I'll give you a little second to answer that, and we'll be right back with the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Hey, Corey, it was really, really fun. I, I uh, liked it a lot. We, um, went, we went to breakfast at the Waffle Shop, which is my favorite breakfast place down there. And then we went to the Champs on Atherton after the game, which is uh, by far the superior Champs. And they have my favorite burgers in the world. Um, what burger is that? it was just a yeah, great day with my brother. What, uh, what burger is that? Um, I either get the New Yorker or the All American bird or the All American. I got the New Yorker. That was the um Swiss and mushrooms and uh mm-hmm. lettuce, tomato, and onion. It does sound pretty good. Well, I in the waffle shop, I don't know if you know this, I'm sure you probably do, but if you don't, have you ever had their grilled blueberry muffins there? I have not. So the next time you go, I, I don't care how much you like muffins, it doesn't matter. Ask them if you can get uh, a blueberry muffin slice and grilled and they basically slice it and then they throw it on the flat top and grill it with butter and it comes out like a little crispy on the edges and it's 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 to die for it's one of the best things I, a lot of people that don't like blueberry muffins that much don't want to get it i'm like just trust me get one you won't regret it next time you're there you got to get a slice and grilled blueberry muffin it's one of the biggest secrets of the waffle shop huh i didn't even know that i you know, a muffin is kind of something that you could overlook on a menu, so I never even thought to get something like that. I don't think it says that it's sliced and grilled on the menu. I don't even know if it's on the menu, but just ask, and be, and and usually they're like, do you want it sliced and grilled? And you're like, yes. And they basically, they slice it vertically, and they just, I don't know, and I guess they throw every individual piece on there. I don't really know how they do it, but it's, and I'm sure there's a lot of butter involved, but it. It's delicious, and if you haven't done that, you absolutely have to. It's I'm not like a crazy – if I'm going out to breakfast, I'm not going to get a muffin usually, and I get that. But this is an exception. you got to try it.
Yeah. Well, there you go. You'll, you'll, you definitely have to try it. You'll, you'll enjoy it. So, um, well, before we get into Blue and White Weekend, we did have a commit on Friday. We kind of hinted at this. This was probably going to happen. Uh, Jameel Lyons, a three-star according to 24 – or, I'm sorry, a four-star to 24-7, a three-star to 24-7 sports composite, um, linebacker, edge player from Roman Catholic High School, which if you think that's familiar, that's because for a while there, former head coach of the basketball team, uh, Patrick Chambers had a little bit of a, a pipeline coming through there in the Philadelphia area. Um, but a big commit, probably a big commit because we're talking about the 2023 class and how it doesn't have that many linebackers or, or defensive players really at all. And, Sean, they picked up a big one uh, on Friday. Yeah, Lions um, has um, – was the – like you said, he, he comes from Roman Catholic. Um, past couple of years, uh, the staff has done a better and better job of – uh, locking um, Philadelphia up. Um, he's a guy that I believe I've heard that he could play probably outside or inside, um, but he has he is listed as an edge guy, um, but he already has pretty good size, 6'4", 255. So he could be a guy that I think you could see almost in a Hakeem Beeman type role where he could play either inside or outside uh, and really loves getting after the quarterback. I think Black Shoes Diaries had a comparison to Anthony Zettel, a guy who could maybe start on the outside, but then maybe work his way towards the interior of that defensive line. Um, but yeah, I mean, 6'4", 255, probably not going to be playing too much true linebacker, um, but still has some maybe Jesse Lucetta potential where he can you know, play some flat zone coverage if needed, at least maybe early on in his career. But regardless, a big-time get for this Penn State class, because, hey, they haven't really finished those. And we've talked a lot about this. But they haven't really got those commitments yet that we think are trending their way. But this is the first kind of breakthrough on that defensive side. Right. Especially um, in the defensive front seven where, uh, you know, we've beaten the linebacker depth uh, to death. Um, and they, they need guys on the, in the front seven. Uh, I think Lions could be a good first domino to fall. Um Another guy who was there, too, was uh, Tamir, Tamir Robinson, um, who was a linebacker. But um, I don't think we could, could. we could, And he is, Penn State is very, very high on his list. But I don't know if we could expect a commitment from him for a little while, at least. Right, yeah, I think that's still a little bit away. Um, but I think that puts Penn State about 10 commits in his 2023 class with the whole summer still to go. And I think we mentioned it last time. The summer was a frenzy for this 2022 class um, last year, so a lot to still come. Usually they have something going on in June that you should pay attention to as far as um, getting what they consider their junior day, or I'm not sure if that's going to happen yet, but there's a plenty of more opportunity. There's a lot of summer circuits going to be happening, um, so we're kind of just getting to the start of this, and a lot of the guys like to commit before the start of their senior season, so um, just to kind of take the pressure away that them focus on their last year of high school, which I actually am a huge fan of and support that. Um, but this is kind of just the beginning and they're already at 10 players in this class. So it's, it's looking pretty strong. Um, and it, and it is a top 10 class right now. Yeah. And like you said, in the summer, the official visits will start and, um, you'll start seeing usually, uh, more and more commitments. And, um, as you said, they already have a lot, like 10's a lot right now. Uh, for being April. Um, and will you get the commitments along the way? Probably. Um, but then 
um, when you have the official visits and you have guys coming in. Um, this uh, these days uh, with the early signing day, usually your class is pretty much locked up by uh, by the fall, uh, with a couple other guys mixed in there. But most of the time, by the time uh, the season starts, like you said, the guys the recruits want to get it out of the way um, before their season their senior season. Um, and after official visits, which usually take place in the summer, uh, usually we pretty much know who's coming to campus uh, next year. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of guys there. It, it took James Franklin, I feel like, a long time to shake everybody's hands on the way out of the stadium on, on Saturday, and, and uh, Denai Dennis Sutton was there. A lot, a lot of the uh, 2022 class that has yet to enroll was there in person. Um, I, I think they all took a picture together, and I don't know where that picture is, but there is a picture of all of the – the uh, commits that are coming in. So um, it, it, I think that's always cool to see too, because especially for a guy like Deny Dennis Sutton, who is kind of trying to maybe get some early snaps and play and be a contributor his freshman season. He's kind of looking around and saying like, okay, what, you know, where are we kind of at? Well, you know, who, who am I going to have to beat out? And um, I think that's kind of a cool opportunity for them too. Uh, uh, Robinson um, was there as well, I believe. So um you had a couple guys that didn't necessarily, you know, play, but are going to be there and going to be competing, um, in not too long. So I think that was that was cool. Let's talk about the game itself now. Now this game wasn't really a game. It was probably the least amount of game I've ever seen in a blue and white game as far as practice. So I mean, Bill O'Brien had something similar when. They were low on scholarships with how they kind of did things, but they still played 11-on-11 11 11 for the entire thing. This was some 7-on-7 seven seven stuff. There were some two-point conversion stuff, uh, which I thought was ironic given the Illinois situation. There's a lot of special teams things, and then they even went to some just thud-only contact uh, for a couple sessions, so not what you typically would expect. It probably wasn't the most fun to watch if you were there. Um, I know I didn't have that much fun watching it, but it was nice to see um, football again. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, it was not pleasing to the eye uh, at, from a fan's perspective. Um, there was some, conf- I've heard like, mur- I was at the game, as, as we said, and you could hear murmurs about, wait, what did they get points for? And why did they get points for that? Not this. And why is this a scoring session and non-scoring session? So it was confusing. Um, and seven on seven, I mean, let's face it, it's, it's not that fun to watch. Um, but, and Franklin even acknowledged that in his press conference, but I do think they got quite a bit of work in. Uh, it's good for the guys, especially the younger guys to get out in front of a bunch of, in front of uh, 60 plus thousand people. Um, and, you know, show what they got a little bit. Um, I was all right with the thud, uh, and I totally understand the thud, especially from an injury perspective. And I think, I think the guys who are coming back from injury only participated in the thud portion. Um, Adisa Isaac and Salim Warmly specifically. So um, I thought they got, I thought they got a lot of work in, but it really felt like almost, it felt almost like a regular practice instead of a spring game. Right, yeah, I, I agree with that, and and whatever. I mean, I thought honestly, um, Sean Clifford played more than I thought he was going to play, but at the same time, 
he's trying to still, and this is only his 15th practice with a lot of those guys um, in the receiving room. So they're still trying to get, get some chemistry. Based off of how they performed in the red zone last year, I totally see why he, he took a lot of snaps in the red zone and the two-point conversion stuff. But um, I thought he played a little bit more um, than, than I thought he was going to. I think if we're just going to – let's just get over kind of the, the big highlights first and, and, and what I loved. And I guess I can answer the trivia question now as well. The, who scored that first touchdown pass and, um, and, and where is that guy from? And that was Harrison Trey Wallace, the third, I should add, who had probably the nicest catch in the end zone um, for that touchdown early on. Just went right over top of Johnny Dixon and just took the ball away uh, and scored that first touchdown. He is from Pike Road High School, which is in Alabama. And the reason why I brought this up is that is not very far from where I live. It's probably about, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes away, if that. So... Um, down here in Alabama, not too far away. I honestly, I think I knew that, but it, it, it kind of went away because, you know, he's been on campus now for a whole year and I didn't realize it. I'm like, oh, gosh, he really was that close to me. So missed opportunity maybe for me to go see him play. Um, but a good snag there. Uh, everyone's going to talk about, and I know you probably want at least want to mention, or he deserves to be mentioned because he had a fantastic day. And that was the walk on running back Dominic DeLuca. And he had two tackles one of them was a sack but then two interceptions as well and so probably the I mean it's hard to stand out in a blue and white game but he clearly stood out um, was probably the defensive MVP if you're going to give out a defensive MVP Um, on the offensive side of things I thought Jaden Dotton had probably the most productive day Uh, I guess he technically only had three catches during the scrimmage portion uh, but he looked like he was you know, around the ball a lot, even in seven on seven. So I thought Dotton helped his case a lot. And we'll talk a little bit more specific about the receivers a little bit later on. Um, but it's a crowded room right now. And so you have a day like that, you know, every practice kind of matters. And I thought Dotton did uh, his good thing. We'll talk linebackers a little bit later. Um, and we'll talk specifically about quarterbacks a little bit later on. But I just want to kind of hit some of the highlights. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley only had two catches, but he had, that, he had I guess, technically – I guess he did have the first touchdown, huh? So I should clarify that. He technically had the first touchdown. Um, But I I wasn't thinking about that because that wasn't – it was more like a little uh, bubble screen pass. Um, But still, um, Harrison Trey Wallace deserves credit because he had the cooler touchdown. Yeah, he absolutely did. (laughs) Um, And I was happy to see Tinsley um, have a little bit of burst. Uh, I think for maybe less informed fans, they might have been thinking, oh, I didn't know Jahan Dotson was still here because he also wears number five, and he had a little bit of scoop to him. Um, and you touched on Dom DeLuca. Uh, I thought he really, really impressed yesterday. He was running with the twos. Uh, it looked, it appeared that way. Um, I don't I don't know if that inspires a lot of confidence for Penn State fans, uh, because Dom DeLuca is a redshirt freshman um, walk-on. But he played well. I uh, got to give him credit. And he's also from my neck of the woods. He's from West Pittston, PA. Uh, and he went to Wyoming area high school. That's about 20 minutes from my house. So I was also impressed by him. Uh, I agree with you. I think Dotton uh, showed. And Jaden Dotton's gotten a little forgotten about. But he was a pretty highly recruited guy. 
Um, I thought him and Aller actually had some decent chemistry, and uh, Bayou threw a touchdown to him in the uh, two-point conversion portion. So uh, I agree. I was very impressed by uh, by those two guys as well. Um, and I thought uh, another guy who was kind of lost in the shuffle uh, in the running back room was uh, Katron Allen. Um, in that he's kind of been, at least hype-wise, a little overshadowed by Nick Singleton. Um, I thought he, he he looked faster than I expected him to look. He was kind of billed as the power guy, but he he showed he showed some uh, showed some decent speed. I thought on uh, 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 yes uh, during yesterday's game, and I thought he played. Um, I thought he had the edge on Singleton a little bit. Now, Singleton didn't get much help from his line, but I just thought Allen looked a little bit better than Singleton in yesterday's practice. And yesterday is only one one out of 15 spring practices. Right, yeah. And I, I think we should go position by position and talk about each position. But um, before we do that, um, the reason DeLuca got so much playing this time was Charlie Katshire was in a sling. His arm was in a sling. And so don't know how long he's going to be out for, but that's already kind of hurting the depth of the linebackers a little bit. And I think that's why you saw uh, Dom get get some extra playing time in there um, with, with Catcher out. So uh, kind of something to keep an eye on because although, you know, you're talking about the backups, linebacker depth very, very thin right now. Um, let's talk quarterbacks, Sean. And let's start with Sean Clifford. Uh, didn't get much playing time. I thought he looked what you'd expect. I think there was one throw where he had pressure right away and he kind of just chucked it. And that was kind of like that. Oh God kind of moment. I think it was an incomplete pass, but it was like dude was right in his face and he kind of just threw the ball. Like that's the Sean Clifford. We don't like to see. Um, But otherwise I thought he looked cool and collective. I thought he made some really nice throws um, and, and and looked fine. I I thought, you know, I've done a lot of previous game watching the last couple days and, I feel good about what Sean Clifford can do when he's healthy, especially if he has a little bit of time to operate. Um, but anything else, you know, stand out to you? Obviously, I think he was the most consistent quarterback, and I think it's very, 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 if it wasn't already clear, and he's going to be the starter for the entire season if he stays healthy. Yeah, Sean Clifford is the best quarterback Penn State has right now. Um, and I think that was very clear yesterday. His his poise really stuck out to me. Um and of course, he's gonna be poised. He's been here six years, and it's a spring game. There is literally nothing he hasn't seen a million times before. Um, and the spring game, just—he's probably like, yeah, got another practice. Oh, only sixty thousand people out here. Uh, where the other guys, you know, looked a little wide-eyed. Um, and I think that's to be expected. Um, Veyu, I thought, made some good throws. Um, and Aller and Prabula, well, they, they look like freshmen and they look like guys who aren't ready to play yet. And they're supposed to be seniors in high school right now. So that shouldn't be much of a surprise. And if you've listened to our pod, I think we made that pretty clear that Cliff's going to be the best guy, in all likelihood is going to be the best guy right now. And, um, I think the spring game kind of underscored that a little bit for, for everybody. Right. I agree with that. And I thought that I'm not saying that Veyu has a chance of, of starting over Clifford, 
But I thought those two were clearly the one and two. And Aller was, there's a significant gap between Bayou and Aller right now. And unless something crazy happens in the summer and in the fall camp, I think Bayou is like 90% likely to be the backup. Um, he, he looked good at times. And he looked way more calm and collective and, and ready to go than Aller. Now, Aller, I, you know, you could expect Aller to take massive steps in the next three to four months. I mean, it's going to be probably an exponential growth as he gets more and more comfortable. And obviously, he has a higher ceiling than Veyu. But Veyu looked good, and, and he kind of built off of the playing time he was able to get. So nothing crazy, but I think Veyu, you know, kind of – reminded everybody that hey he's here for a reason and I hate to say it Sean but Veyu looked good enough and obviously already has experience where I hate to throw this out here this early we may never see a situation where Drew Aller starts for Penn State because if Veyu is able to win the job next year I mean how long how long does a five-star guy stay around to wait to play um, if Veyu gets to start the following year especially I mean, God forbid something happened to Sean Clifford halfway through the season and Veyu plays and plays well to finish the season. I mean, that's going to be hard to take that job away from him. So I thought this was a wake-up call for everybody because, like, yeah, you're excited about a five-star guy coming in, but you lose your five-star ranking once you get on campus and you got you got to compete with everybody else. And I thought uh, Christian Veyu kind of said to everybody and, and has kind of showed to everybody that, hey, like, I'm still here. And I'm not only am I competing for the backup job, but I'm trying to be the starter. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. Um, you know, Veyu might might be the quarterback uh, next uh, in 2023, and you know, you never know what could happen in 2022. Um, but yeah, there is a, there's definitely a chance um, Drew Aller uh, doesn't play for us. Um, and I'm not a fortune teller. I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. These guys will get better. Um, there's a reason why Drew Aller was one of the highest-ranked recruits. And you kind of saw it a little bit yesterday. That ball flies out of his hand. And he has such a quick release. Um, it's it, like that, that NF, he has that NFL arm. And I was actually rewatching the game with my brother, and he said, "Why did things? Why does the ball look different coming out of Bowler's hand? Why does the ball look weird coming out of Bowler's hands?" And I said, "Because we're not used to seeing a guy throw the ball like that at Penn State, like where it just a flick of the wrist and it just goes." Um, so it wasn't, you know, all horrible for Aller or Prabula. I don't want to uh, give that impression. But they just looked they just looked like freshmen. He kinda had he kinda looked like um a puppy with big paws a little bit. Um but and another thing that I hope they do that that they desperately need to fix before the season starts. They need to have Pabula and Bayou have different numbers. It's awful. I mean it's it is. It was so hard to keep track. It was impossible to keep track during the game. <laughs> it, it's 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 t- I don't really honestly understand how that's possible. I would imagine, I mean, I, I guess as long as they, like, on a, a traveling roster, I don't know if they would be allowed to both have the same. I, I didn't know you were ever allowed to have two guys on the same side of the, I, I mean, I know obviously you can't have two guys on the field with the same number, but I didn't think, and I guess it doesn't necessarily matter because as long, you know, you're not going to have two quarterbacks out there at the same time, but 
it just seems weird to me that they would allow that. And and most of the time, you know, Bo is going to be playing, you know, scout team, whatever. I just can't believe that they're okay with that and they're allowing that. I mean, I just and, – and I'm sure for people in attendance, I don't know how you would possibly tell the difference. It was hard for me to tell even on TV. I'm like – uh, I, you know, I think they use a little bit taller, but otherwise it's very, very difficult to tell. Yeah. And it's, it's so, like you said, it's so tough to tell, especially when you're sitting, like we were at the 40 yard line. Um, yeah, we we're probably about 40 rows up and you can't tell height differences that well up there. You can tell weight differences, but you can't really tell height differences between a guy who's six, two and a guy who's six, four. You, you can't, um, yeah. The, and uh, Katron Allen and Keandre Lambert Smith also have the same numbers. Now that's a little less confusing because they play different positions. Uh, but that's something that I hope they definitely uh, fix uh, going into the season. I'm actually surprised nobody from the media ever asked them, asked Franklin about that. Like, why why do you have two quarterbacks wearing the exact same number? Yeah, it's it's frustrating to say the least. Uh, let's move on to running backs because I thought the running backs, and to answer one of the questions going into the spring, I feel better coming out of Blue and White weekend about the running back situation. I thought Kevon Lee, I don't want to say solidified himself the same way Sean Clifford solidified himself, but I thought Lee showed enough um, tenacity, ferociousness, um, hard nose running that we know he possesses that he will probably be the starter to start the season and we'll see where what ends up happening. He's going to need to be spelled regardless. But I thought Lee ran well and ran hard, caught a couple balls out of the backfield, caught a couple during 7-on-7 seven seven, where you're like, okay, you know, he clearly wants it and if he can stay healthy and he can hold on to the football, probably deserves it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I thought he ran like he had something to prove, uh, which is what you want to see from uh, your starting running back, especially when he has uh, two pretty highly touted freshmen uh, behind him and an already crowded room. Um, I thought Devin Ford ran well as well. Um, I thought he had some burst. Uh, That's never been something that Devin Ford lacked. Uh, and he also ran like, hey, you know, I'm trying to prove that I'm the guy. Um, and the freshman, uh, I touched on Allen a little earlier. Uh, I thought he I thought he had some pop. Um, and Singleton didn't really do a whole lot. Um, but I do realize he was with uh, he was most of the time with the backup line. I do think he scored on the uh, two point conversion portion of the of the practice, if I remember correctly, though. Yeah. I and he scored he, in the seven on seven. Yep. I was going to say, I think he scored twice, but yeah, I, I, when in the blue and white weekend, when you're just trying to take away things, I try not to be critical of when somebody doesn't get a lot of touches or doesn't necessarily um, play their best. But I think it's, that is an opportunity to say, you know what, that guy impressed me. And I think you can take away positives. I'm very, you know, it's hard for me to be critical on anybody. So I agree. I think, Singleton didn't go crazy and impress me. I'm like, oh, gosh, this guy's going to be amazing. Um, at the same time, I agree, though. I think Catron Allen did impress me, and 
you know, not that everybody was all, you know, forgetting about Allen by any stretch of the imagination, but Allen did show some speed. Um, Matt Millen said he's more of a bruiser. I don't really believe anything Matt Millen says because he was kind of all over the place. Um, I thought Allen had the ability to, to, to have a burst as well and looked good in space. Um, so I think, I think Catron Allen did impress me. I think you're going to see, you're going to see all of them. But I want to see somebody start and get the majority of the carries, and I hope that is Lee. I thought Ford ran well too, but I thought Ford's runs were, and it's hard to to say this, but I think his runs were more benefited to the offensive line creating some nice holes for them rather than him creating those big runs. And and not saying he didn't have the vision to find the hole and he didn't burst, et cetera, but you know, Kevon Lee had a run or two where he ran over one or two people and made the yardage, or he fell forward for five yards. I think he ended up with averaging four yards per carry, which doesn't seem amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but coming off the season we came, you know, just off of, if he can average four yards per carry, we'll be we'll be happy with that. So, um, But still, Devin Ford, I still wish he would be kind of the guy in the kick returning game, which he still might be. Um, I Otherwise, I just don't know how much he's going to get to play because I – not that he doesn't have bursts, but I thought Catron Allen looked quicker than him um, accelerating through the hole. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I thought uh, one of the things that we did last year that you didn't see, and, you know, we're doing spring game reactions, so I don't know what things are like during um, every practice. Um, last year, he tended to not hit the hole like he did his freshman year. And he did a lot of juking in the backfield, and sometimes he did, um, you know, he did a routine where you juke nobody, and then you run you run into a defensive lineman for a loss of two yards. Um, and you didn't see that yesterday. You saw what you saw his freshman year, where he just hit the hole, lowered his shoulder, and picked up a, and pick, could pick up a few extra yards. And I hope that's the Kevon Lee we see this year because that's a good. He's a good running back when he's committed to to um to what he does best right when he just goes full to garrett blunt and just runs forward and hits people hard and then not that he doesn't have some wiggle but when he is most dangerous is when he has a full head of steam because defenders a don't want to tackle him and b he has enough wiggle once he is he's moving in that direction to make a guy miss or two. But he he's not a Saquon Barkley where he can go from zero to sixty in a um, parallel or a horizontal way and then be going vertical at top speed. Like he just can't do that. But when he is moving in the right direction, he can uh, make a guy a couple guys miss. But that's also because these guys don't want to tackle him because he is a tough guy. It's like tackling an anvil. So I agree with that. Um, you know, it's a long, long, long off season, and I think um, I I was impressed. Also, I guess one more point about Singleton. I thought Singleton caught the ball well out of the backfield. Matt Millen said that he had shown ability to catch the ball in high school, but I don't think he really did. I don't think he caught that many passes. That was one of the things I was curious to see, and I thought he caught the ball naturally. I didn't think he fought the ball at all, and I thought he looked good catching the ball. So that was one thing I was happy to see. Um, Katron Allen caught a couple balls as well, but I thought that was one thing to pay attention to for Singleton. I think he passed that vibe check um, where he didn't he didn't look ugly catching the ball or anything like that. So that that was also good. Yeah, I think it came naturally to him too. Um, 
And I kind of, I remembered when he caught that in the seven on seven, I remember that you noted that in a previous podcast, that that was something you were looking to see how he is as a receiver. And I mean, a guy like him, who's so quick, um, when he, if he could catch the ball and he could be, you know, you only have to be a decent route runner to be a running back. Uh, but if he could have uh, good hands, that, that makes him a way more dangerous weapon because you're going to be getting the you know, usually get him the ball out in open space, uh, get him on some swing passes. So that's going to be a development to watch. Right. Well, speaking of catching the ball, let's move on to receivers. Um, what I texted you is what I'm going to say now. I think the receiving room is as follows, and this is in no specific order, but I think you have Tinsley, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith, and then maybe Malik Mega, part of that kind of first group, and then everybody else. And it's a it's a dogfight for everything else. I don't know if Mega's done anything where I'm like crazy high on him yet. He almost pulled in a one-handed catch the other day. Um, but I still think he's probably in that top group. But I think Tinsley for sure, 100% is going to be... Um, I don't know if he's going to be a 1,000-yard guy, but I think he's an, easily an 800 guy. I think Parker Washington, especially I've been watching a lot of the games lately, and I really think Parker Washington could could really just be a thorn in everyone's side uh, in the Big Ten this year. I think he, he could easily have 800 to 1,000 yards because he's just always the guy Sean Clifford goes to on third down. I thought Keandre Lambert-Smith looked really good yesterday, um, and I think those are your top guys, Sean. And then after that... I mean, who knows? I mean, they've Dotton, we mentioned, had a really good day. Omari Evans was targeted a bunch, a bunch, especially by Drew Aller. I don't think he necessarily was crazy good. I think one was behind him, and he bobbled it, and I was the one that got picked off by DeLuca. Um, but he was targeted a bunch. I think somehow uh, Aller managed to overthrow Omari Evans, which I didn't think was going to be possible. But clearly Evans is getting some... Uh, some some playing time. Stall Mason Stall, who who transitioned from quarterback to receiver, uh, he had the longest catch of the day. I don't know where he's actually going to be in that depth chart. I couldn't imagine him being that high. And that's no offense to him. We just don't know where you know he actually is at. Um, but Sean, there's a lot of just who knows after those four that I mentioned. Yeah, I agree. Those are the top four guys. Um, and then after that, it's. Dotton or Liam Clifford or uh, Caden Saunders, who we uh, spoke you know quite a bit about on the pod. Um, he was there. He had a he had a couple catches, um, but it's very very hard to tell. I think those four guys are going to be the primary guys this year, though, uh, barring injury, of course, because Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, they're going to be you know, potential all big 10 guys. I think they could, I think they, they could be that talented. Um, and then uh, Lambert Smith looked comfortable yesterday and uh, Mega has already shown in regular game action, what he, you know, a flash of what he can do. He has the Rutgers highlight, um, the, 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 the long catch against Rutgers. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very crowded room. And uh, the guys after those four guys are also very, very young. Um, and like you talked about, uh, Harrison Trey Wallace had probably the most impressive catch. 
So it's a it seems to be a pretty deep room, um, but usually just um, as a matter of course for receivers, usually there are about four guys who primarily play anyway on almost any team. Right, and then Parker Washington didn't play. Um, we should mention that um, tight end wise, we saw a little bit of Warren. I don't uh, Theo Johnson didn't play. Uh, for sure, but I thought um, I think I saw Jerry Cross have a couple of nice catches, um, so it's nice to see him kind of get involved. Uh, I think he's wearing Mike Kosecki's 88. Um, but otherwise, I mean, again, I, again, I've been watching film, and, and Brenton Strange is a guy, I know Theo Johnson's going to get his targets, but I think Strange is a guy that really can still be a very effective for this offense, so I'm excited to see what Strange can continue to do, because he just seemed like he can be a big weapon in this red zone. Um, which is clearly an emphasis for this Penn State team moving forward, and, and they want to be able to get the run game going to hit the tight ends on those play actions. Um, so we'll kind of see. One more note on Tinsley, and it's something you kind of already mentioned and alluded to. He did look like Jahan Dotson. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Jahan Dotson, but the way he kind of wiggles once he's caught the football, I mean, he looks like a guy who has experience, who is... Um, the game's already moving slow for him, and he just looks like he's ready to contribute right away, that there is not going to be much of a transition period. He looked good, and he looked at times like Jahan Dodson when he had the ball in his hands. Um, I, I was I came out of this very excited about Mitchell Tinsley. Yeah, me too. Uh, that bubble screen, he, just, he moved so well. He almost glided, kind of like Jahan tended to do at times, where... He gets the ball, and it's just so buttery smooth and just found a way to wiggle his way into the end zone. Um, I'm very, very excited about him. Uh, the tight ends uh, that, that that you talked about, uh, you know, like you said, Theo Johnson didn't play. He's a guy I'm really looking forward to seeing this year. Uh, Tyler Warren, I believe, had a big-time block on Tinsley's touchdown. And he, he he's a guy that I don't think gets enough uh, – that doesn't get enough buzz. I thought he was way more productive last year than I thought he'd be, especially transitioning from being a high school quarterback. Uh, and Khalil Dinkins had a couple catches yesterday too. Uh, and he's a guy that uh, also gets a little overshadowed by uh, Theo and, um, and Brent strange. That's a good point. Well, let's move on to offensive linemen. I think they said there was nine guys that warmed up yesterday and played um, this was basically the reason why they didn't have a true scrimmage was because of the offensive line depth, something we've been mentioning all spring. Um, I thought there was moments where, especially in the running game, where Juice Scruggs looked like he was moving some people. I thought Nick Dawkins moved some people pretty well. Uh, Landon Tangwa played left guard, but he also played some left tackle, which was something that was hinted at. Um, by Phil Trotwine, which apparently they're going to continue to work him in. I, I guess he's more comfortable on that left side. So expect Landon Tangwall to stay on that left side, whether he's at guard or tackle. Um, otherwise, Sean, I wasn't overly, super-duperly impressed. I didn't think they looked awful in pass protection. I also didn't think they looked amazing in pass protection. And in the running game, they had moments when they looked good, and they had moments when they looked bad. Yeah, they were okay. Uh, it was a kind of a tough day to evaluate them because 
if you take into account the special teams portion and the seven on seven for about 50% of the, of the uh, spring practice, uh, spring game, they didn't play. Uh, so that makes it tougher to evaluate. Um, I was, like you said, I was more impressed with the interior of the offensive line. I think Tang Wall and Juice Scruggs, I think they're going to open up some big holes this year. Um, and that's something I'm excited to see. Um, I also was pretty impressed by Nick Dawkins. Um, he's uh, He was recruited to be a, as an interior offensive lineman. And I thought, you know, it was probably the first time I've ever seen him play. And I was pretty happy with it. Um, and like you said, Tangwall is kind of cross-trained. I think he played tackle last year. And now he's going to be switching inside to guard. Um, but he's someone that I think is a pretty versatile athletic kid. So you could see him in, in that tackle spot at times this year. Um, yeah, I thought they were okay for what we saw. And also keep in mind, that isn't going to be the final group. They are going to get more depth. Drew Shelton's coming in, Hunter, and I think it's important to note that uh, Hunter Norzad also isn't there yet. He's not going to be uh, on campus till the summer. Right, yeah, there's there's help along the way. There's still some guys banged up too. So, um, uh, a little I wanted to say also, uh, Fashanu getting player, I believe, offensive player of the of the spring. I think that's worth mentioning as well, uh, especially since you know we get excited when offensive tackles do something well, and it seems like he's building off of what we thought was a pretty good bowl game. So. Uh, that's nice to see as well. It gives you a little bit more confidence as far as kind of where the tackle spot's going to be at, um, and that's maybe something that they can build off of. Yeah, I think so too. Um, he's a guy that uh, we're both excited to see this year, and you know, he I thought he protected the blind side pretty well for the time that he that he played yesterday, and I'm very very excited to see what um, a top notch tackle potentially could do could do for us right the only other thing i wanted to mention was uh at one point um i think caden wallace the opposite of caden wallace ripped off kavon lee's helmet i don't know if you saw that i didn't notice that i know he lost his helmet i remember that yeah but i think it was uh caden wallace that managed to do that which I don't know how an offensive lineman does that, but he he managed to do that somehow, um, which which I thought was pretty, pretty uh pretty interesting as well. Well, let's move to the defensive side of things. Let's talk defensive line. Adisa Isaac was back. He didn't play that much. Um, it's hard to really see you know where he's at. I think Audrey Center had an interview with him, and he's like, hey, I'm not 100 percent there yet, but this summer is kind of when I'm going to turn things on. But he seems like he's stronger. He thinks that he's, you know, had time to tune things up. He looks better. Um, guy that we've talked about this spring, the true freshman, Zane Durant, I thought he had moments where you're like, okay, he does look like Kevin Givens because he was, he was causing some disruption on the inside. Um, it was nice to see uh, Beeman play. I mean, I think that kind of just sums up what we're thinking here, that, hey, Beeman is going to play this year. Whatever issues they had last year, uh, he is going to play this this uh, this season. Yeah, and they're going to need him. Um, you know, with PJ coming back, they're going to need they're going to need Beeman on the defensive line. Um, 
and I think was speculated last year, and it was confirmed by D. Sizek in the interview that he did tear his Achilles. Um, that's a very, very difficult injury to come back from, but it is possible. Um, and he played, he played a little bit, I think, exclusively in the thud portion, so they're not cool with them taking a whole lot of hits right now, which is exactly the, the, uh, the course of action to take. Um, yeah. And Zane Durant, who, you know, if you guys have listened to the pod, I think I said since episode one that, that I've done with you, um, he's a guy that's, that is going to be really good. He is to get a guy who's quick on the interior of the defensive line is very, very valuable. And I'm, I'm, really pumped to see what he's going to do when he adds a little bit more weight. Cause when actually I'll tell you a little, little thing here, uh, during warmups, I remember looking at the defensive line group and I was like, ah, oh, he looked, that guy looks small. And I looked at the roster and it was Zane Durant. So he does have to gain a little bit more weight, uh, for a big 10 play, but that's going to happen. He's a true freshman. And over this over the summer, I'm sure he's going to add more weight. And keep in mind, this year we don't need him to be playing a whole bunch of snaps. Uh, we just need him to get us 10 to 15 snaps a game, cause some havoc, and then that's that. And then just call it a day. And that if we could get that from him, that's going to be very very valuable. Uh, PJ Mustafer, um, I'm sure no surprise to anybody. He was in t-shirt. He was in a t-shirt and shorts. Um, but you know, we're expecting him back and we're expecting him to be PJ Mustafer to start the year. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't play either. So he's been kind of helping coach. Uh, I thought Vanover had a couple of big moments. I think he may have had a sack or two, um, and, and did some good things. So that's, you know, just, there's a lot of guys on that defensive line to t- like that could step up and I wouldn't be surprised, um, especially on the, in, in the inside there. So I, I'm excited for this group. I don't think, you know, the same way. With the offensive line, it wasn't really one of those opportunities where a lot of guys really had a chance to stick, you know, to stick up, especially since the quarterbacks weren't really live. And so you, it's hard to gauge, okay, like, yeah, you could have touched him, but would you have been able to bring down a quarterback in that situation? Did you take the right angle? Um, and then there was obviously a lot of seven on seven where they weren't playing at all. So, yeah. You know, and James Franklin's very quick with the whistle during the spring game. Yeah, and then he's also quick to chew out some players when they mess up, too. He was running up to people right when a play was over and, and uh, corrective uh, corrective teaching as soon as the whistle was dead. Um, but I think defensive line is somewhere where we're feeling a lot better than we were three months ago, and I think that, that makes us feel a little bit better. Uh, let's go to linebacker. Again, Charlie Katchar in a sling, didn't play. Uh, Jacobs was there. I think he made a couple plays, but honestly, I didn't pay much attention to him. The the guy that had my attention uh, was Kobe King, number 41. I thought he did enough, Sean, where I feel confident in my own saying and saying, I think Kobe King is going to be your starting middle linebacker in the fall. I know there's a lot, and that could obviously change, but I'm feeling pretty good as far as what I saw from Kobe King. I think he led the team yesterday in tackles, and he had a couple in the backfield, or at least was there to make some plays. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. If he can get the communication, he can, can learn the defense. I think Kobe King is going to be maybe not starter, but I think he ends up playing the majority of snaps at the middle linebacker position. Yeah. And I don't think uh, Tyler Elston played yesterday. Um, it, it's funny his his family was seated a uh, few rows in front of me. 
Um, at least I think it's his family. His they were all decked out in L's and stuff. So I was also very impressed by Kobe King. He just seems very instinctual, finds the ball well, kind of um, you know, kind of like the Alice Brooks, Jason Kambinda. He could just he's hard nosed kid. Uh, just kind of seems like a classic Penn State middle linebacker. Uh, Curtis Jacobs played more than I expected. Uh, it made me extremely nervous that he was out there at all. <laughs> I didn't really understand why he was out there, but no harm, no foul. Um, uh, Jonathan Sutherland um, was... Are we ready to have that conversation? Are we going to go down that rabbit hole? I think we could do it. Okay. I'll let you go first before I start my tangent. All right. He wasn't impressive uh, at all. Uh, he got cleared out a few times. He doesn't fight off blocks well. He appears slow at, at certain times. Um, he doesn't tackle. He, he didn't tackle very well yesterday. And this is, you know, I, I don't want to go too hard in on him because he is he's one of the only four-year captains in Penn State history. I have a lot of respect for him. But I just don't know if he's cut out to play linebacker at Penn to start at linebacker at Penn State. Um, I think he's a good special teams guy. I think he does some things well. I just don't think linebackers really in his arsenal. But and I hope I hope I'm I hope against hope I'm wrong about that. And I would love to sit here and eat crow in the fall. Uh yeah. So you're not gonna eat crow in the fall because you're right. And it's not gonna change. It doesn't matter where you put him. He just doesn't have the instincts. I mean, it just I mean, it is what it is. And I agree with everything you said. I, I feel bad saying it because I think he's an awesome guy. I think he's an important part, an important member of this team. I just don't see why he needs to be on the field. And, that, 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 again, it's nothing against him personally. And I, I this is probably the first time we've really harped on anybody. But. He just does not need to be on the. If he was a tackling machine, if he was like a Mike Hall who's undersized but has a nose for the football, that's one thing. That is not what we have with Jonathan Sutherland. He can't set the edge. He, like you said, gets washed down. He, he's not like he's getting involved every step of the way. I went back. I watched film. The Auburn game stood out to me specifically because he was supposed to be the quarterback spy multiple times, and Bo Nix. Bo Nix, who isn't necessarily the craziest fast quarterback. I mean, he's got some wheels, but nothing crazy. Bo Nix ran away from him multiple times. He's he's not going to chase people down. He's not strong enough to set the edge. And I get it. If you have to go 4-3, you say, okay, I need another outside linebacker. I understand why you think you have to play him. But if you go 4-2-5, I don't care if you call it a 4-2-5. Jalen Reed... Uh, Zahee Wheatley, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, uh, Keaton Ellis, uh, Daquan Hardy. I would feel better about any of them coming in, not because they're bigger, not because they're a linebacker, but because they at least have a nose for the football. They at least have uh, Zahee Wheatley yesterday. First of all, I didn't realize how tall he was. I thought he looked ready to go. I thought he was. I thought he was all over the field, and and when he got to a, an opposing player, I thought Wheatley made his presence felt. I don't know if Sutherland ever did that. And he was always dancing around two to three yards and he was kind of flirting with blitzing and not blitzing. I'm like, nobody's worried about you, dude. There's nobody is going to, if our offensive tackles can handle you, 
and this is this is just more of a joke than anything. Then pretty much anyone's gonna be able to handle you. And I just I, I was like just just don't don't take him out there. Don't I would feel so much better if you put Hardy out there to stop the run. I'd feel so much better if Keaton Ellis was out there to stop the run. You already have good corners. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. is a pretty good corner in run support as is. You know you have corners that have length but also have the ability to come up and stop the run. Uh, Jair Brown is one of the better safeties at coming up and, and and at least getting his nose involved. He's not Jaquan Brisker, but he'll get his nose involved. You don't need Sutherland on the field for some tackling purpose because he's not that great of a tackler. I just he he brings nothing crazy to the table besides leadership, which is important, and special teams play. And I just do not. And I was going to give him a chance. And I honestly, and this is one of the few times where the spring game, I was like. I just talked a moment ago about not being too critical on the negatives. That was all I needed to see from Jonathan Sutherland to be like, yeah, I don't know why he's on the field. Because he wasn't, you know, he was trying to, like, bounce. He reminded me of, like, what Gerald Hodges used to do, where he would bounce around and flirt with blitzing and not blitzing. But when Gerald Hodges came on a blitz, he would terrify the running back. He would murder the the tight end. He would make the, the right or left tackle look silly. You're not seeing that with Jonathan Sutherland. You're not going to see that with Jonathan Sutherland because you can call him a linebacker now. He is still a safety, and he wasn't ever going to start at safety. And I would feel better. I would feel 100% better, Sean, if uh, Jalen Reed came in every time they thought of bringing in. And, and, and you have a guys like Abdul Carter. You guys have like uh, Keon Wiley coming. There's guys coming as true freshmen that have the better size that I wouldn't be surprised are better players at that position already than Jonathan Sutherland. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, yeah, I noticed the fake blitzing too, uh, especially rewatching the game last night. And I was thinking the same thing. Like, why, why are you doing that? <laughs> like, nobody's thinking, nobody's really afraid of that. Um, and you brought up Gerald Hodges, and yeah, him and Gerald Hodges are much different. Gerald Hodges played in the NFL for years. Um, and the, the thing I, the thing is, and I agree with, I'm more and more in favor of running a 4-2-5 like almost all the time now, uh, as primarily what we do. Oh, there's nobody in the secondary who's afraid to tackle. They all like to tackle. They all tackle well. There's nobody that I'm sitting there. I'm like, God, uh, this guy, if this, if we're trusting this guy to make a tackle, it ain't happening. Um, Zaki Wheatley showed yesterday why he's getting the hype. And he's, he got a lot of hype, but uh, seems to be because of, um, due to, um, his ball skills. I was impressed by the way. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to go up, go up and light someone up. Uh, he lit a couple guys up yesterday. I I think I think one or two times it was during uh, what was supposed to be the thud portion, and he kind of threw that out the window. Um, so if you could run a four-two-five, and you have someone who's doing sort of what you wanted Sutherland to do, why not just do it against almost everybody? So help me God, if we get into a position. A Koa Farmer position where Sutherland's out there because he's a leader and because he's and it's it's almost like we we owe him something. I'll be pretty upset because you're right, Wheatley, and let's just kind of guess transition to the safeties. Wheatley looked phenomenal, and he led the spring with takeaways. He had five takeaways this spring, 
Uh, Jair Brown had three. Jair Brown called him the take takeaway king, the turnover king. And that's high praise coming from a guy, you know, who had who led the team, not the team, led the country in inter- interceptions last year. Um, and you're right. He now he needs to keep his head up a little bit on some of his tackles. But he was a force. I mean, he was around the ball. There's a couple times where he broke up a pass just by hitting the dude. He was there. I think he probably got yelled at. One. I think it was maybe he hit Kavon Lee uh, pretty hard in the in the thud portion. But he was he was there. He was ready to rock and roll. And he's. Cl- it's almost like he was supposed to play safety this whole time, coming from cornerback. It's like why was he ever at you know cornerback? Because he looks natural at the safety position. He's very you know. It, it seems like he's still a little tall and lanky, but. I was very, very impressed. I was happy to see him on the field um, and kind of get to see what everyone else has been able to see so far this spring. Yeah, I, I was already kind of following in love with him, I guess, a week or two ago, just from what everything we've heard. And now I'm like, I don't care if Keaton Ellis gets a start. I don't care if Jalen Reed gets a start. But you have enough of these guys now, Sean, where you can go and say, okay, Keaton Ellis and Wheatley, you guys are going to split time at the other safety spot. And, you know, what? maybe Ellis will start. Because I thought Ellis looked pretty good, too. I thought Ellis came up and run support a couple times and, you know, and, and looked fine. Um, I think, honestly, though, if it comes down to, okay, who's going to make more plays in the turnover, turnover department, I think Wheatley ends up playing more than Ellis. But Ellis is fine. And I think they feel good about having some of that depth. But have Ellis or Wheatley on the field and then have Jalen Reed on the field and just get rid of Jonathan Sutherland. And, and Sutherland can come in at times. I'm not saying he can never play, but there's no reason for him to be starting. And like I said, you you got some really good... And also with uh, Marquise Wilson moving to corner, you have all sorts of depth and fun things you can do in that back half where you're just like... Why you know if you a guy like Manny Diaz who likes to be so creative, I hope he doesn't you know think he can be creatively smart or a genius with Jonathan Sutherland. Like the best thing Manny Diaz can do is be creative and and fun with a Jalen Reed or with uh, Curtis Jacobs or with a Nadisa Isaac or you know maybe even with a Jair Brown. Who knows? But not with Jonathan Sutherland. Do not make that the guy. Don't make him your monster or your hero or whatever else they call those, you know, those hybrid guys. He's not Troy Polamalu, even though he has great hair. He he's just not going to be that guy. He's just not going to be. And and if he is, you know, whatever. I'll have a twenty minute rant saying I'm a jackass. But right now, I just don't see it, and I don't think I'm going to see it. Sutherland. It's not like Sutherland's like a true freshman or a sophomore, and he's trying to find a spot. He's been around for a long time. Everybody knows what he can do, and unfortunately, it's it's probably not close to what some of these other guys can do. Yeah, Sutherland is probably a finished product. Now, people might say, oh, well, you know, he's it's his first time at linebacker. Yeah, but first off, he wasn't great as a safety either, um, and... He makes a lot of he made a lot of the same mistakes that he was he's been criticized for years now on the defensive side of the ball for. And I agree with you. Uh, he could play sometimes on defense, um, but sort of like how he's played in the last few years sparingly. And don't expect that. And I don't think Manny Diaz is going to try to get creative for Jonathan Sutherland. I hope he's and. Like you said, I think he's an open-minded guy. I hope he's not so open-minded, though, that his brain starts to fall out. 
<laughs> and I don't think he is. Um, so it's, you know, when you have and someone that I think you could do a lot with and you could play in the box is uh, Jaden Reed. Like, he's, he always imp- he impressed me quite a bit last year as a tackler. Um, so I think he could do a lot of that same stuff that, excuse me, that, you know, you wanted Sutherland to be able to do. And I thought we saw that a little bit last year. I mean, I thought we saw Jalen Reed kind of coming up. And there was moments, I th- and, uh, let me make sure. I want to say, I don't, it wasn't the Michigan State game. Maybe it was the Rutgers game where Jalen Reed was coming up and making some plays. And you're like, okay, this Jalen Reed guy, he can do some good things. And, you know, he can be around the, you know, near the box. Maybe not in the box, but near the box and make some plays. And so I agree with you. Um I thought corner-wise, I thought they looked fine. I mean, it's always so hard to judge corners and stuff like this, but I thought there was a lot of times quarterbacks didn't have anywhere to throw the ball, which is a good a good sign for the secondary. Yeah, I thought even in the seven-on-seven portion, usually that's where quarterbacks love to feast. Um, and, you know, they had some success, but I thought the corners held up pretty well. Um, and we kind of knew that was going to happen. Uh, Kalen King looked like that guy that we all want and expect. And I think he's, I think the King brothers are going to be um, huge for Penn State's potential success this year. Uh, Joey Porter played a little bit yesterday too, uh, which I didn't know if he played, but I'm happy he did because I do think from a technical aspect, he has some stuff to work on. Uh, even the, the catch by Trey Wallace, uh, Johnny Dixon had really good coverage on that. Wallace just went and picked the ball out of the air. And uh, I thought Bayou did a pretty nice job of placing that of placing the ball. Um, so yeah, I was, I think the cornerbacks were pretty much as, as advertised yesterday. Yeah. John Dixon, I thought, I don't know. It just, there's just so much corner depth, right? It's just so hard to figure out who, but that's a good thing to have an issue with. And yeah, I think corner is probably the position you feel the best about on his defense right now. And that's, that's a really good problem to have. Um, Let's go special teams. Returners, pretty negligible. We saw a lot of different guys get opportunities. I'd be pretty upset if Devin Ford doesn't get the biggest nod. I think Caden Saunders probably deserves a little bit of a nod. I think Marquise Wilson back there is an interesting choice. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Omari Evans getting a couple opportunities. Um, But that seems like it's going to be... Jaquan Hardy is back there some too. Um, I think that's kind of, they're going to have to just figure that out. I don't like when you I don't think punt, at least punt returner. Kick returner is a little bit different, but I think punt returner is a position where you kind of have to stick with one guy because it's about you know, it's a comfortability thing. It's about getting casual back there. It's about, you know, just watching a lot of punts and knowing kind of the trajectory of it and getting used to fair catching and reading the situation and knowing the situation. You kind of want a guy back there that is going to A take care of the football first and then B you know, potentially take something back. So uh, that, I don't know if it's going to be settled anytime soon. Kicking and punting, however, Sean, I think kicking, in my mind, has already been settled. And that Xander Sahedak should be the kicker uh, for the 2022 season. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, Sahedak, the ball just goes off his foot really, really well. And he's, he's from what we saw, I'd, I don't like jinxing kickers. He, he was accurate yesterday. I don't think he missed a kick. Um, and 
we know Pinnaker struggles with consistency. Uh, Sahadak just he looked like the best guy, and I I'm expecting him to start. Um, I know Pinnaker's been here a while. He's kind of cut his teeth, paid his dues. But you, kicker's too important a position to just give away to someone because they've been here. Uh, just from watching that yesterday, it looked pretty clear to me that Sahadak's the best guy. Um, yeah, and then in the return game, it's a good point. Like punt kicking. If if you've ever caught a punt, I don't know if you've ever caught a punt, Corey. It is a tough thing to do, to just do. Never mind when you have people running at you, uh, looking to light you up as soon as you catch the ball. Um, so you're going to have to first off find somebody who you could trust uh, catching the ball. Um, and I do think they have a lot of options. I could tell Stacy Stacy Collins was running all over the field yesterday. He has a ton of energy. He's kind of the he kind of I, I had to chuckle a little, but he kind of came off to me like the classic special teams coach who are just so fired up about everything uh, about exactly what they do. Um, and I think he was probably pretty happy with the with what uh, number one, I thought the kicking and punting was. I thought the punting was decent, but Paquette is coming. And I thought the kicking, for the most part, was really good. Um, so I think he had a lot to be happy with. And his, his unit got a, lot of, got a lot of time yesterday. Yeah, I mean, they focus a lot on special teams. And uh, going back to the kickers real quick, yeah, I think um, the only there's only one kick that was missed, and that was Pinnaker's longer attempt. I think it was either a 50 or 47 or a 50-yarder-ish. Um, and then Sahadak nailed his. And I think the ball gets a lot better trajectory. I think it has more of a pop coming out of his foot. Um, it's weird seeing a left-footed kicker, but I think he's I think he's got the job. I mean, I I know that that's not the case, but I think that in my is for me is the case. Um, you know what you're getting out of Pinnaker, and if Pinnaker was like some 100% accurate inside of 40, that's one thing. But it's not like he's 100% accurate inside of 40 like he was maybe a couple years ago. And if Sahadak gives you the ability to to smash 45-plus field goals, especially with the way this offense sort of stalled around that part of the field because they can't run the ball, then Sahadak has got to be your guy. And um, and I don't know if there's any questions about it. Punting-wise, uh, Barney Amore got a some recognition uh, for the spring, so that's nice to see. But right, like what with what you said, um, the punting was okay. Awusu looked okay. He's awesome because he's a a big punter. Um, but with Paquetta coming in the summer, I don't really know if we can even have that conversation about punting until he's there. And we're both kind of on the same page that he's probably going to be the punter. Again, I thought the punting was decent. I thought there was one or two punts I was, that were really low that were not great punts. Um, but otherwise, I thought it was okay. It wasn't Jordan Stout or Blake Gilligan punting, and I think that's kind of what we've come to expect, and I think that's what we're going to get when Paquetta gets to campus. Yeah, and like you said, that pop coming off the foot that you saw with Sahada, you kind of saw that in the punting game with uh, Gilligan and Stout the last uh, five or six years. The ball just sounded different than when guys like, uh, oh, I'm dating myself a little bit. Was it Pascarello? Pascarelli? I think he was the punter before Blake, and you just saw, you just felt that, you just heard immediately, oh, that ball sounds different. La- yesterday, you really didn't feel that, but I'm hoping when Baquetta gets there, you you will, and you'll be able to see uh, what 
what he can do. But overall, I mean, there were a couple there were a couple not so great punts, but I thought they I thought they were adequate. Um, they were actually probably typical of what you expect from uh, most punters. We at Penn State have just been really fortunate the last few years to have good punt to have such good punters. Right. Yeah. And and we'll see kind of where things are at. Hopefully we don't have to punt too much um, come next season. Um, that's a pretty good wrap on what we saw. I'm sure we missed a couple of things that we can kind of clean up uh, next week. There was a lot of former Nittany lines there. Um, I'm not going to name all of them, but Parsons was there. Uh, Odafe Owe was there. Mike Gusecki was there. Pat Fryermuth was there. Um a, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of traction. A lot of people coming by. I don't fo- follow wrestling, but the one girl from AEW, I guess, was there. Who I, I don't know who she is, but I guess she's popular. Um, it seemed like it was a good time, Sean. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, Levar uh, spoke spoke to the crowd. Uh, spoke to the crowd once, uh, and Jahan Dotson was there as well. Uh, felt like it was very, very heavy with the lums, which is always good to see. That's a good sign of a healthy program if you could get a lot of guys coming back, especially just for a spring game. And it's it's easier for NFL guys to come back for the spring game because they don't have a um, – in the fall, typically, they have a game immediately uh, less than 24 hours after uh, the uh, college games get done. Right. So right. it was a, a good those... opportunity for them to get there. Right. A lot of those guys are uh, – a lot of those guys are getting ready for – um, the uh the, the draft, which is not that far away now, so we're gonna kind of transition from blue and white to the NFL draft, um, which is this week starting on Thursday. I haven't heard anything crazy out of this um lately, but it's kind of where it's been. I've heard one grumbling that Tree Castro Fields is getting a little bit more love as of late, so that's something maybe to pay attention to. See, maybe if he gets into the third, fourth round. We've talked many times about we're not really sure where Tariq Casterfield is going to go. Um, any we've, we've hammered the draft quite a bit, Sean, but since it is coming up, I just wanted to make sure if there's anything else you wanted you know, to be mentioned before uh, we kind of say goodbye because the next time we talk will be post-NFL draft. No, I don't think so. Um, like you said, we talked a lot about the draft. Um, that's really good that Casterfield is getting more, more love. He's guy that I think could really surprise some people at the next level. Uh, and there are a lot of the, like, like we just mentioned, there are a lot of the draft prospects there. I think a lot of them probably train at Penn state um, because they're so familiar with the facilities. They might have guys that they work with uh, that they have former teammates now. Um, Jahan was of course carrying the football. Uh, like if, if you know anything about if you know that about Jahan, he, one of the reasons he says he has good hands is because he's always carrying the football around. He was, in fact, carrying the football yesterday. Uh, yeah, I, I want to ask you, Corey, how many guys do you think get drafted in the first round for Penn State? What would you say the over-under is? Realistically, probably one and a half would be the fair over-under. What I optimistically would put it at two and a half. I, I really think Dodson and... AK end up going in the first round. I think AK could literally fall. I liked I like AK more than I liked Owe coming out last year. So I didn't have Owe going in the first round. 
when Owe went in the first round, I think that honestly kind of makes it more, and, and having a good season makes it more likely that a guy like Arnold ABKD could go in the first round because it paid off for the Ravens last year. So I think that actually helped a guy like uh, AK get potentially drafted in the first round. I do think Dotson goes because I think the receivers are going to go stupid early, earlier than I would take a lot of them. And I, I do think Dotson goes. The The reason why I put it at two and a half being who would be that third guy depends on the safeties. I think Brisker could go. I don't see him going to about 40-ish, but if there's a run at safety for some reason, you know Kyle Hamilton's going to go, and then you have one or two other guys that have kind of been slightly picked ahead of him. I thought he has put enough together film-wise and, and number-wise where if somebody really loves him, and I think somebody is, if they feel the pressure or the need, will they trade up to get him? That's going to be kind of what, can they wait till the 40s to get him, or do they think they need to come up and get him You know, in the late first round? That's going to be kind of the third guy I see. But I, I'm thinking realistically one and a half. Optimistically, I think we see AK go in that you know, 30 to 32 spot, and, and we see two Denny Lions get drafted in, in the first round. Yeah, a team like a team for Brisker that really sticks out to me is a team that has two late first round picks back to back, and that's the Chiefs. Uh, but a lot of it because I do think they're going to take somebody in the secondary, probably a safety. Uh, but it depends on who they like better between Brisker, uh, and also it depends on who's there. I don't think they picked till 29th or 30th, but who do they like better between Brisker, uh, Louis Sine, uh from Georgia, and Daxton Hill? Uh, I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Penn State fan. I take Brisker over those two guys. I just think he's a better football player. I saw quite a few Georgia games, and I saw a lot of Michigan last year. And I just thought Brisker was a better – I think he's the best, second-best safety um, in this draft. Um, so a lot of it depends on what you like. Uh, I agree with you on AK. Um, I, did, I do like him a little bit better than I liked Owe coming out last year. I did think Owe – and I did think Owe – um, you know, he, he underperformed at Penn State, yeah, but he was just, he was one of, he was one of the most raw guys I ever saw at Penn State, because he had just started playing football at the age of, like, 16 or so, and, but that, that athletic ability was there. Um, I do think Dotson goes in the first round, and, um, yeah, so I would put the number at one and a half. But it wouldn't surprise me to see. Uh, two, it wouldn't surprise me to see all three of them get drafted in the first round either, and it wouldn't shock me to see only one of them get drafted. Right, and there's you know there, there's mock drafts out there that don't have any of them going in the first round, so it's possible none of them do. I agree also with you. I, the reason why I think Brisker can sneak into the first round is because he has already said that people are interested in him playing some corner, and he can play all four positions in in the secondary and a guy with that versatility along with his measurables, along with his production and his leadership aspects and the intangibles. I don't think, you know, I don't think you get that very often. And I think someone's going to fall in love with him. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but I think somebody falls in love with him. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up at, you know, again, around that 30 ish spot. It just depends on where the safeties go. I mean, if the jets take Kyle Hamilton, number four or whatever they have, then all of a sudden you're like if you're if you wanted a safety, you're starting to think a little bit more about the safety position if you're an NFL team. So it'd be curious to see what ends up happening. Um, 
kind of keep an eye on where Kyle Hamilton goes because that's going to tell you everything as far as Jaquan Brisker. If Hamilton falls to like 16, 17, 18, or God forbid even in the 20s, then I think Brisker is going to be around the 40s. But if Hamilton does go in the top 10, if he goes early in the top 10, then I see a potential way where some team that has extra picks you know, makes a move to a team that wants to drop back um, and they, they get a guy like Brisker who they really want and don't want you know to slip away. Yeah, I think that that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I'm excited to watch. Um, I'm excited to see how many guys do get drafted just overall. Um, I do think, I you know, obviously those three guys, I think Castro Fields gets drafted, Luketa, Brandon Smith. And then after that, it's um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody who's obvious. Um, after that, it gets a little gray. Um, I don't know if uh, Alice Brooks gets drafted. I don't know if Jordan Stout gets drafted. But those two guys are definitely going to be signed uh, pretty quickly uh, after the draft. Yeah, I would I would put money, Sean. I think both of them do get drafted. Um, I think Brandon Smith gets drafted earlier than we both expect him to. Um, I think this is going to probably be not, not there's a lot of guys drafted last year, but I think you have potential for one of these drafts. People are like, wow, that Penn State had these many guys drafted and you know, they didn't have that great of a year. People are going to be like, why not? So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty good draft for Penn State. Yeah, I think so too. And I want to say this about, uh, Ebicady too. Um, he, you know, Penn State has a good reputation right now for those front seven guys after Micah and, um, Adafi away. So teams might be more inclined to take him in the first round because they'll just say, oh, well, look what he did with, um, look at what Micah did last year and um, what Odafe Owe did last year. They both uh, were very, very good for, for rookies, um, especially those, you know, Micah's a little bit more different than Odafe, but they're both sort of edged guys. Micah does a lot more, though. Um, so I'll be interested to see that. And I could kind of see, and this will uh, make a lot of Penn State fans upset uh, to have another guy in the Cowboys. I could see Abikati going to the Cowboys. Or Brisker going to the Cowboys, because they both need help on def- that They need help at both spots on defense. And they might go back to the Penn State well. Yeah, I mean, even throw Jesse Lucada into that kind of, you know, it'd be interesting to see where he ends up going because he's a guy that has the versatility to play a little bit of linebacker, a little bit of edge, a little bit of defensive line, um, is really good at just causing disruption. And that's sometimes all you need in the NFL. Um, And you know that he has that relationship with Micah Parsons already. So I'm curious to see where Lucada ends because, I mean, I, I expect Brandon Smith to go before him, even though I don't really think he should. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where where they end up. Yeah, you know Mike is going to be chirping in Jerry Jones's ear to give uh give his Penn State guys some love. Right, and I mean, the thing is, whatever team Brisker goes to, they're going to be better because of it. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. I don't know if you'll have as long of a career that we've seen Adrian Amos have, but coming out, you I mean, Amos was really good. Don't be wrong, and he hit really hard. But Brisker is a more complete safety, in my opinion, than when Amos came out. And Amos has had a really good career in the NFL. Yeah, Amos played a bunch of cornerback at Penn State for us too. Um, I agree. I I like Brisker more than I thought. More than I liked Amos coming out. And I 
liked Amos, but I never thought he was going to have the career that he had, uh, that he's having, I should say. Uh, Brisker, if he's a perennial pro bowler, that's not going to shock me in the least bit because your team is, like like you put, like you put it, your team's going to get better if you have Jaquan Brisker. Your team's going to be better if you draft Jahan Dotson. That that's just it. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna see from day one these guys are really really these guys could be really really freaking good. I agree. I agree. Well, Sean, we are random pretty long here. Let's let's wrap this one up. And call it. We have a lot more to talk about. We have a whole summer to break down more things Penn State football. Uh, we'll be back next week with probably more a little bit Penn State NFL draft focus. Um, but otherwise, I think we'll uh, we'll call this one good. All right, yeah, sounds good. We had a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, yeah, a lot to talk about. Guys, let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, um, wherever. Drop us a review. Share it with a friend. Share it with one other Penn State fan. Um, this podcast has a lot, of, a lot of meat in this week's episode, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys have a fantastic week, and uh, we'll be back with some more next week for Hardcore Penn State Football. This is Corey Lestoke and uh, Sean King. Catch you all next time. Thank you. See you later.